We're going to come back now to studying the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer with Thomas Watson from his book, The Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's been a few weeks because of a lot going on. Let me just review. I won't go to the prayer of Jabez like I do sometimes, but let me go to, uh, I mean, we can recite it by memory, but Matthew 6 verse 13 is the sixth petition, the last request of the Lord within the Lord's prayer. Uh, And it is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we're asking that we wouldn't even be tempted, but if we are, that we wouldn't give in to the evil, okay? And as I've uh, written before, and I think as I've preached through the Lord's Prayer before, if we would pray this prayer sincerely more often, we wouldn't have as much need to pray for forgiveness of our sins. Not that we don't always need to pray that, but we wouldn't have the same things tormenting our heart if we would pray, Lord, Lord, proactively, Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Well, we're on use two, and uh, I I think I'm going to not try to review a lot of where we've been. It's been a few weeks. Um, I think that it'll end up taking too much time. But we're on use two of uh, kind of the last uh, point that he's made. Use one was see what continual danger we are in with Satan. And how much we need to watch and be careful. See how much danger we're in. Now we're in use two and three tonight. Use two is very quick. I'm just going to read it for you. And then use three will have, I think it's got about ten sub points. Not sure we'll finish it tonight. It's possible, but if not, we'll do part two the next time. Let me read use two for you. They are reproved who pray, lead us not into temptation, and yet run of themselves into temptation. Now, what he says is, you know, you need to be reproved. If you're asking God to lead you not into temptation, but your heart is already planning to run into it, and you do run into it, you are to be reproved for that. We are to be reproved for that. This would be particularly uh, sin of presumption on God's grace, which is a, which is a greater um, uh, evil we know from the larger catechism as well. Um, He says this, Such are they who go to plays and masquerades and hunt after strange flesh. Uh, Now, we want to recognize our larger catechism says what's forbidden in in some of the commandments is, you know, licentious stage plays, licentious books and things. It's not that all books are out or all plays are necessarily out. Although the Puritans will really warn that most theater, uh, I think we would say that most movies are probably not a good idea. If we're honest with ourselves, I think we would recognize that too. Um, uh, He says, such who do these things, he says, some go a slower pace to hell, but such as run themselves into temptation go galloping thither. You know, some people slowly go to hell, but some of them just dive right into the sin. Dive right into hell. And that's what he's warning about. He says, we have too many of these in this debauched age, who as if they thought they could not sin fast enough, tempt the devil to tempt them. That's something that was really powerful. Used to, hey, reprove ourselves from being the ones who would just tempt the devil to tempt us. Uh, you know, I, I can see Isaac's face like, why would we do that? Well, there are times where we kind of do that. We're almost, we're pretending that we don't want to sin, but we're setting ourselves up so that Satan will tempt us and we're intending to give in. You know, and that's a real danger. And if we're acting and living that way, then when we pray, lead us not into temptation, it's, you know, it's just a joke and it's a dangerous joke. Okay, use number three. Hold on one second. Gideon? 
It's time to stop. Gabriel, are you back there? Come sit down with your brothers and sisters so he's not tempted to give you trouble. Come sit down up here. Thank you. So that's use number two. Use number three is what we'll spend most of our time on tonight. We may or may not finish. Uh, What means should be used that Satan's temptations may not prevail against us? Now, remember we had a study recently a few times ago where he says, look, okay, it happened. You gave in to the temptation. Now what? He says, don't give up on yourself or on the Lord. Remember the uh, Westminster Confession on Providence, chapter 5, section 5, talks about why does the Lord let us give into temptation sometimes? How does he use it? Um, So you want to remember those things and drawing on those things. But we're back to kind of some things he's already said, I think. It's a little bit of review, um, but I think it's worth not skipping over. How do we try not to let Satan prevail over us and get us to give into temptation. Number one, and these are just wise things, and, and we have touched on them earlier in the study. He's, it's a little bit of review. Avoid solitariness. Avoid solitariness. What does that mean? Being alone. Avoid being alone. And by the way, for some of us, that can just be alone on our phone the whole time, right? But not really with people. Um, avoid being alone. Avoid being isolated. When we are isolated, when we are alone, we are much more vulnerable to give in to temptation. And, you know, I think people particularly who skip church and stuff, so avoid solitariness. Avoid uh, being alone. So avoid being alone. He says this, we give Satan advantage of the ground when we are alone. We give Satan advantage of the ground when we are alone. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says this, two are better than one, right? And of course, the scriptures say a, a three-twined br- rope is not easily broken. It's dangerous to be alone, right? We need the communion of the saints. We need to be with one another. Uh, when we isolate ourselves and stay away, you know, that Hebrews 10.25, don't be like some and avoid the gathering of others, the assembly with others, right? Uh, it's just very, very dangerous to be alone. Think about that. Like, don't be alone in your room too long. Don't be alone in your house too long. Don't be alone in the wrong place. Now, there's a place for getting alone for prayer, right? We see that with Jesus. There are certain places in particularly we shouldn't be alone. There's also certain places we shouldn't be where there's a whole bunch of people, right? I mean, it's, it doesn't always follow, but generally speaking, avoid solitariness. And I think another way we could say that is make sure you're talking with people, confessing with people, seeking accountability and support. Be at men's studies, women's studies as you can. Be at Wednesday night studies like this in worship. Uh, don't Don't try to do it on your own. That's very dangerous. If you're going to play any sports game and all of a sudden you're out on the field by yourself and your teammates say, hey, you can do this. We're going to get a Gatorade on the side. You're going to be like, ah, right? That's not how you're going to be a team and win anything. You don't win war like that, right? Okay. Uh, So avoid solitariness. Number two, beware of the predominance of melancholy. Now, he's talked a lot about this before. He's warned about melancholy. And he does say that melancholy often tempts Satan to, say, to tempt us, right? It's like, I'm so, just please come and help me feel sorry for myself. Avoid the, dominant, the predominance of melancholy. Melancholy, depression, giving ourselves over to that kind of feeling and emotion uh, can be very destructive. And, and remember that he actually says earlier, and this is what led me to the study because I was 
was trying to find this after I'd mentioned it, and I couldn't remember where it was, but we saw earlier, Satan uses all the other sins to get you to the, the greatest danger sin of all, uh, despair, so that you kill yourself. Literally, that's what, his, that's what his goal is, okay? So uh, he doesn't want you to forgive yourself. He doesn't want you to get over it. He wants you to get to where you say, why bother? It's time to end it, okay? So beware of the predominance of melancholy. And of course, if you are around other people, there's a lot less of a chance of that, right? I know we can get depressed and angry and upset with other people, but generally, I mean, like when we get together and our spirits are lifted up with one another, uh, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, and that usually happens when you're with others, right? Sometimes when I'm uh, just feeling the need for a laugh, I'll say, hey, let's all put on some funny video and just laugh together. And it's always better to laugh together. Just watch out when it's Abraham and I together. It's almost like we're going to huff and puff with laughter and blow the house down. I mean, we just, we're those kind of guys that were on our sides, falling on the floor, sides almost literally splitting. Just, and I, oh, you want to hear something funny? Just last week we were driving, I think we were driving up to the Knott's Berry Farm, and something that we were talking about, I heard, I can't remember what it was. It's, it was a movie that was on, oh, it was The Lorax, right? And, Oh, Horton Hears a Who. They were watching it in the car. And something they said was so funny. And I think it's because I was so sleep depraved. I lost it. I, for, Olivia was afraid we were going to drive off the road. I literally couldn't see. My eyes were full of tears. I was, I was Finally, I got a hold of myself. But, but it actually felt great. <laughs> you know? And it's because we were listening to something together. I might have laughed by myself, but I think it was just being with one another in the moment. It's just, it's just the funniness, the joy, the, the, the merriment can deal with melancholy. So don't get alone and watch out for the predominance of melancholy. And I think being together is a good way to avoid that. Number three. Study sobriety. Study sobriety. What is sobriety? Yeah, being sober. Uh, you know, a lot of times we think of it as it relates to alcohol. Uh, I finally went sober. I'm get, taking a sobriety test. The police wants to make sure you're not drunk, you know, at a car. So it's not just related to that, but study it. He gives us First Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, because your adversary walketh about. And as we know, like a lion. That's one of the main things. First Peter 5, 8. Watch out for Satan. That's a significant part. Recognize how often Satan's coming up in this discussion about lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Because he's the one particularly tempting us. Remember early in the study, where does temptation come from? From within and from without. But particularly from without, from Satan. Now I want to remind you that we've started to post sermons by Pastor Bell from 1999 on knowing your enemy, Satan. And I just posted one, uh, I think yesterday, and another one today. So there's more to go listen to there. And we, I thought, boy, this is perfect timing as we're converting cassettes to MP3s and putting them on our sermon audio page. You might avail yourself of that study just as, as overlap with what we're studying here. It's so much about knowing your enemy and how to be careful. Study sobriety. He's walking around trying to get you. And he says, when we study sobriety, it is the moderate use of all things. And so when we study what is required in the larger catechism as it relates to murder, adultery, things, the moderate use, the sober use, it says, of all things like food, drink, recreation, work, sleep, there has to be a sober use. Moderate. Moderation. Not excess of too little or too much. And um, 
that's what we want to be looking at, you know, not starve ourselves of things that we should have, not burn our candles at both ends, like you heard the message Sunday night about not burning out, but also not indulging in, in you know, gluttony or other things, lack of exercise, you know, having a balance, a proper balance, a moderate use of things, study sobriety, take a look at your life and say, I need to be more balanced in these areas of my life. Do an inventory, check yourself. There's always a time to reset, right? Gabriel, it's time to listen. Number four, be always upon your guard. Always be upon your guard. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walketh about. Again, 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be vigilant. Be always on your guard. And that's something we did study, remember, a little while ago uh, about, well, the last first use that we're in. Uh, See what danger we're in and always be on watch. Always be on your guard. Never let your shields down. We talk about that a lot with Ephesians 6, right? So often we think we're good, we're okay. We start to let our shields of faith down. We don't keep our eyes looking for the adversary. His arrows are always in the air flying at us. They're always on their way right? The fiery darts of Satan. Uh, And we've always got to be on our guard. Always have the sword of the Spirit ready to fight, right? Um, Jesus says in Mark 13, 37, I say unto all, watch. I say unto all, watch. Watch all the senses, he writes, the eye, the ear, the touch, for Satan can creep in by these. Let me read that again. Watch all the senses, the eye, the ear, the touch, for Satan can creep in by these. Number five, beware of idleness. Beware of idleness. Now, it's not uh, idol spelled like an idol of a false god, although I think it could be a false god for us. Beware of idleness. It means... Beware of being slothful and not being busy, not being diligent about good holy things. If you get too lazy, uh, this can relate to being isolated and all these different things, right? But if you're not, I mean, if you're busy working, doing good holy things, as long as you're not overdoing it, think of about burning out, you know, you're going to want to go home and go sleep. (laughs) You know, you're going to be tired, ready to get up in the morning. You have something to focus on. Idleness tempts the devil to tempt he writes, idleness tempts the devil to tempt. And uh, I'm forgetting exactly what Linda shared, but there was a good quote she shared, because idleness has come up before. He's, he's reviewing some things here. Be, be, beware of idleness, of, of not filling your days with important work, not having a plan. So you, you're too careless about your day and end up wasting the day. Have a plan for your day, for your week. Have a plan for your devotional time. Have a plan for a general when you're going to get up, when you're going to go to bed. And I don't want this to become legalistic and where we can't have any flexibility. But generally, I think idleness is a real danger. In fact, it's interesting that Sinclair Ferguson in the video last Lord's Day morning, uh, he's speaking primarily to, to the seminary community, and especially to would-be pastors, he says, you know, one of his mentors, I think, said there's two of the greatest dangers for a pastor is idleness and pride. But he said, idleness is nobody has less attention over you about generally how you use your day. There's a great danger to be tempted to being idle and not using your day well. Um, uh, He says, he that wants employment never wants temptation. 
wants means like lacks it, doesn't have it. You know, Psalm 23, I shall not want, I shall not lack. He that lacks employment uh, never lacks temptations. If you're not busy with your day, now that doesn't mean too busy, that doesn't mean inordinate balance, but if you are not busy enough, you are going to have plenty of temptations to deal with. You're just sitting there like a sitting duck, right? You're just sitting there, you're just tempting Satan to tempt you. And as it says, idleness does tempt him to tempt you. Okay, number six, make known thy case to some godly friend. Hiding a serpent in the bosom is not the way to be safe. Confess your sins one to another, right? Confess your sins to the elders. Confess and seek help. Uh, Private sins can stay private, but it's better to get support in the right places. Um, He says, conceal not temptation. One scripture I want to come to uh, is James 5.16. James 5.16. While we're turning there, though, we can also be thinking about, uh, I think it's 1st or 2nd John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's a motivation to confess. You know, when you don't confess your sins, you're going to do it more and more and more. You're going to be keep yourself in this private pit of, of disgust and nothingness. You're going to feel uh, like you should just do more of it. Until you confess, you get it out, you bring the light on, right? So for instance, as you know, we have a cockroach infestion in the church right now. And Abe and I, when we came into the church the other night, when the lights were off, they were everywhere. I couldn't believe it. Here in the sanctuary, as you know, we just sprayed today. We had an, uh, But they come out when the dark is out, right? Uh, you know, that's kind of what a lack of confession is. Keeping the dark over it. When you confess, you bring Christ's light into the situation. Cockroaches run from that. They literally do. They scurry, you know? And uh, so, James 5.16. Sorry, I'm having a hard time flipping the page here. Oh, I see. Okay. Confess your faults. James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Confess your faults one to another. Now, we're not not talking about you have to only go to the pastor. It's not like you go to get your sins dissolved by confessing to a priest. But I've heard a number of Reformed pastors say one problem Protestants have is we don't have a system of confession. You know, you know, it's a false confession in a sense, but Catholics tend to go and feel like they have a cleansed mind and can, a new step on life. But for Protestants, we often tend to avoid confession. We don't go to one another confessing, and, and we bear the burden, we bear the guilt. And then because we're in that situation, uh, it can get worse. So think about who you can talk to. First of all, more than anything, confess your sins to God. Don't hold back. Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, David confesses his sin of adultery and murder after confronted by Nathan the prophet. And he says, before I did, I had no joy and it was like my bones were all dried up. And after I did, the joy of your salvation is being restored. I'm asking that you refresh my spirit. I'm getting right with you. It's like you're bringing the water of the Holy Ghost to bubble up in you anew again, where it's been mostly dry because you've not been drinking of it. Um, So conceal not the temptation. He says, let all see that you are not true to Satan's party because you tell all his plots and reveal his treasons. And again, we're particularly wanting to think about this related to temptation. Temptation. 
that you don't give in to it. Confess to someone, I am really struggling with this temptation. I need some accountability. I need your prayer. I need your support. Don't try to deal with the temptation alone, especially certain ones that you know you're particularly in danger of. You want to not be in isolation, and that includes in prayer, seeking support, confessing to others to be there to support and help you. Number seven, make use of the word. That is the Bible, the sword of the spirit. He says a fit weapon, which is to fight against the tempter. Ephesians six seventeen. This sword of the spirit is gladius anceps, a two-edged sword. It wounds carnal lust and it wounds Satan. Now, I want you to look at the window. We've done it before up in the up in the wall here behind us. Spiritus gladius, sword of the spirit, sword of the spirit. Be a gladiator of the Lord. Have that, that, but it's the Bible. So Jesus, again, remember we've studied this a lot in this study. When he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness and he passes, what does he do to fight Satan? He just keep, keeps quoting the Bible. Even when Satan quotes the Bible, but he misquotes it. Well, I should say he misapplies it. But Jesus knows how to counter that with the word of God. He gives us the example. He passes the test on our behalf. But he also gives us the example to resist the devil that he flee from us. Have the Bible. So here, beloved, if there's big sins going on, you are probably barely reading your Bible. Right? And if you're reading it, you're just doing it to get it done. You're not praying beforehand. Jay McMillan says, if you don't pray before you read the Bible, it makes no difference usually. You need to pray, Lord, help me to understand. Put this in my heart. Help me to hide in my heart that I not sin against you. Let it be a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path that I walk your good paths, the narrow way. Help me, Lord. Let it be an experience of listening to God and having him work on you. Because the Bible is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing between the divisions of the soul and spirit of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. He Hebrews 4.12, right? It's alive and active. you got to give yourself to it. you got to bear your heart to it and let the Lord cleanse and cut off the bad fat and use that sword. Have it in your hand. Have it in your mouth and be ready to fight the temptation. When you are tempted with something, whatever your main temptations are, here's what you want to do. Study some scriptures and have them ready to quote back at the devil when he tempts you. When you're tempted to this or that, have some Bible verses. The Lord says you shall not do this. Such as Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay? Um, He's quoting Deuteronomy then. He who travels, here uh, Watson writes, he who travels a road where there is robbing will be sure to ride with his sword. We are traveling to heaven, and in this road there is a thief who always besets us in every place where we go. He meets us at church. He does not miss a sermon. He will be tempting us there, sometimes to drowsiness. When any sleep at sermon, the devil rocks them. You can imagine I'm tempted to go back and repeat those phrases. I'll continue. Sometimes he tempts by distracting the mind in hearing. Sometimes he tempts by questioning the truth of what is heard. But think about that, beloved. When you're here worshiping the Lord, Satan is here too. He was right there before the Lord accusing Job. Satan is here and he's going to try to mess you up the whole time you're here. 
He's going to try to distract you. He's going to want you to be late. He's going to want you to not be well prepared the night before. He's going to want to distract you with the things you shouldn't be giving yourself to or just distract you with difficulties of your life. And he's going to do whatever he can to rock you to sleep, my little baby. But remember, now that doesn't mean, you know, we don't have ailments and different things and different stages of life where it might be harder to stay awake. But generally speaking, recognize Satan's there to work on all of that. He's going to be tempting you. So as you come into worship, and as we pray the Lord's Prayer in worship, usually pray, lead me not to temptation, deliver me from evil. Don't think that it's not right here sitting next to you in the pew. And I don't think we consider that enough. He's right. He writes this, we must have skill to use this sword, the word of God, and have a heart to draw it out, and and it will put the devil to flight. Remember, Jesus says, James says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And we see that happen with Jesus when he quotes the word of God and doesn't give in to the tempting, but he fights it with the word of God. He writes this, Luther says, I have had great troubles of mind, but so soon as I laid hold on any place of scripture and stayed myself upon it as upon my chief anchor, straightway my temptations vanished away. You know, when you go through that big storm of temptation, you get that Bible verse and you hang on it like an anchor. If you let go of that anchor, you're going to drown, right? You hold on that anchor till the storm passes. We don't hold on long enough. We open the word of God, but we're actually presuming upon God's grace a lot of times. We don't hold on long enough. We don't hold on until the temptation passes. We act as if it won't pass until we give into it. You hold on to that anchor, that Bible verse, those couple of verses. You don't necessarily have to keep going to different. You just keep quoting that verse. You keep praying that verse. Call someone. I need you to pray this verse with me. By the way, he says, Satan tempts, he gives the example, if Satan tempts to Sabbath breaking, answer him, it is written, remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. I I, want to highlight that because one thing that strikes me a lot is how often the Puritans cite Sabbath breaking as one of the chief most horrible sins. Nobody wants to talk about Sabbath breaking like that today in the church, but the Puritans always highlight Sabbath breaking among their examples of some of the worst sins. And uh, John, uh, James Durham, in the article I just wrote, a, the book review about uh, uh, a book by James Durham with church, church Discipline, if you want to see it on uh, uh, Reformation 21, it's interesting. One of the things he highlights as one of the worst, most grievous sins is Sabbath breaking. I don't think that's something, thankfully, that is one of the sins we are tempted with as much. But I'm sure we often, oh, maybe I won't go today. I've had that as a pastor. Maybe I call in sick. I don't think, I, I just don't think I can do this, you know. And the Lord always shows up when we show up, right? And that's what I always trust in. But uh, if you have the temptation not to show up to Sabbath, to the Sabbath, especially when you young people are on your own, it'd be easier to do that. Especially way at college, different things. When you're tempted not to keep the Sabbath, you quote the Ten Commandments as he said, the Lord says, thou shalt honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And that's what God says, so that's what you do. It's that simple, right? It's not that it's easy, it's hard to fight sin, but it is simple, Satan tempts us to complicate the matter. Well, did God really say, get you in a long conversation, when the next thing you know, you miss the Sabbath, for instance, right? You miss church. Okay. Uh, Number eight. And I think we might finish this tonight. Number eight. Let us be careful of our own hearts that they do not decoy us into sin. What's a decoy? 
Yeah, something fake. Like, it leads us into the wrong place. Like, we go after the decoy pretending it's the real thing. Yeah, Isaac, you got it? That's what you can say? Uh, maybe, but generally a decoy is almost like something, you know, you have a fake duck out there and, you know, you're hunting ducks or you have something that looks like something, and, but if you get confused for the decoy, you're not going after the real thing. Uh, so he says, let's be careful not to let our hearts uh, decoy us into sin. Our own hearts, our own hearts. Uh, uh, Deacon Raglan always quotes Jeremiah, the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? That's why we have to pray, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, Right? Uh, James 1.14, a man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's what we studied earlier. Where does sin come from? Outside, from Satan, and from inside, from our own lustful heart. Don't take lightly your own heart's capacity and capability to, to tempt you and give into it and want it because of your old man that you still have to keep killing, right? Put off the old man, put on the new man. Everyone is Satan to himself, he writes. Quoting Bernard, everyone is Satan to himself. Don't think too well of yourself. Number nine, flee the occasion of sin. For instance, uh, Genesis 39.10, Joseph, when the mistress, Potiphar's wife, his boss, tries to get him to have adultery with her, he runs away from it. I think it was, I heard... uh, Jay Montgomery boys say, most of the time when we're tempted, we're supposed to run away. I thought, well, that's true. He gave Joseph as the example. We're supposed to resist the devil that he would flee from us. And that's with the word of God, of the sword and everything. But I think a lot of it is run away. Run away from the occasion that would tempt you in the first place, right? Run away from those occasions that are going to tempt you. Run away. Throw it out. Destroy it. Whatever it is, run away from it. Get rid of the possibility of being tempted because your heart is going to be ready to embrace it, right? He writes, come not near the, boor- the borders of temptation. Don't come close. You know, we kind of inch. Oh, let's see how far I can get before I fall. Like, I can sort of be near it and smell it and enjoy it a little bit. Ah! Don't even come close. He says, come not near the borders of temptation. Suppose anyone had a body made of gunpowder. He would not come near the least spark of fire lest he should be blown up. Many pray, lead us not into temptation, and yet run themselves into the temptation. Stay away from occasions that are going to make it easy for your heart to go into the sin and the temptation. Think about the fact that those temptations are fire and you're a gunpowder keg about to go off if you go anywhere near it. Stay away from it. Run away from the occasion. Number 10, make use of faith. Make use of faith. Ephesians 6.16, above all, taking the shield of faith. He says, whom resist the devil, resist steadfast in the faith. 1 Peter 5 verse 9. So 1 Peter 5 verse 8 tells us the devil's roaming like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Stand vigilant to defeat him. And above all, taking the shield of faith. Uh, or excuse me, resist him steadfast in the faith, in belief. Believe that it's better for you to resist him. Believe that God forgives you when you've sinned. Believe you don't have to say yes again. 
Believe what God teaches you about yourself and stay away. Believe God can deliver you. No temptation has come to you that's not common to men. God is able. Remember we studied that? God is able to deliver you. Believe it. Believe you can be, you are more than conquerors already. Believe you have victory in Christ and act on that. He says, it puts us into Christ. Faith puts us into Christ. And then the devil cannot hurt us. The chicken is safe from the birds of prey under the wings of the hen. And we are secure from the tempter under the wings of the Lord Jesus. And how do we come under the wings of Lord Jesus? By faith. Remember Hebrews 11, by faith. They endured all these difficult things. By faith. As the stars vanish when the sun appears, so Satan vanishes when faith appears, he writes. Number 11, be much in prayer. Be much in prayer. What's your prayer life look like? And then think about what's your holiness life look like? What's your Bible reading look like? What's your prayer life look like? Be much in prayer. Those don't have to necessarily be really long, verbose prayers. In fact, Jesus tells us, don't pray these crazy long prayers like the heathen, thinking you're going to be known. It's not that we shouldn't have important, intimate, long time with the Lord. But, you know, pray without ceasing, we're told. Pray throughout the day. Anytime. Uh, stop and pray. Pray the scriptures that you know to pray about that situation. Catch yourself to stop rather than continue. Be praying all day long. Stop and pray. You know, it's kind of like uh, they say, if you start to get caught on fire, stop, drop and roll. <laughs> stop, drop, and pray. You start to have the singes of fire come, stop, drop, and pray. Put it out with water of prayer, right? Um, Ephesians 6, 11, and 18, praying with all prayer. Put on the whole armor of God, praying with all prayer. Don't forget prayer is part of the armor of God. Mark uh, fourteen thirty eight. he gives us, watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. We're told not to pray. Lead me not to temptation. Watch and pray. Pray to, that you are not... Let, if he, she says, if you don't pray, you're going to be likely to go into temptation. And part of the Lord's Prayer, the sixth petition, the last one, the same ending as Jabez. Lead me not into temptation. Well, you have to be praying to pray such things. And when praying such things, you can be protected. He says, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 It was Luther's advice to a lady when temptation came to fall upon her knees in prayer. I think we tend to walk around the room. I think we tend to busy ourselves with this or that. We don't fall on our knees in prayer. And beloved, fall on your knees in prayer as often as you need to. And if it's that thing attacking you all night, fall on your knees all night every single time you need to. May our knees be bruised, if necessary, by prayer, that we don't bruise our hearts and our conscience and grieve the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 he gives us, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. When Satan assaults furiously, let us pray fervently. It's another great Watsonism, right? Let me say that again. When Satan assaults furiously, let us pray fervently. Fervently. The more we're tempted, the more we need to be on our knees praying. Number 12, and we are nearing the end. Um, be humble in your own eyes. They are nearest falling who presume on their own strength. Don't rely on your own strength. Desperately depend on God. 
Be humble in your eyes. Psalm 131 says, My eyes are not haughty, O Lord. I don't think of things too big for me. I keep myself humble and low. We've studied this a lot in our men's study. And remember, the spirit of charity is a humble spirit we studied a few chapters ago. Humility is also have we have, also have we have unity, right? Philippians 2. God gives more grace to the humble. James 4, 6. Beware of pride, and abscess is not more dangerous in the body than pride in the soul. Again, that's what Sinclair Ferguson was warning about so much this Lord's Day Sabbath class, right? What comes before the fall, the Proverbs tell us? Pride. Pride comes before the fall. And uh, by the way, when we were studying in the men's study last night, the next chapter that angry, wrathful spirit is against love, he pointed out that it is a fruit of pride and selfishness. It's really more of a fruit, an evidence of the root cause of pride and selfishness. Okay. Um, Number 13, do not enter into a dispute with Satan. Do not enter into dispute with Satan. He is too subtle a sophister for us to hold an argument with him. Dispute not, but fight. How did it go for Eve when she had a discussion with Satan? He, he's a deceiver. He's tricky. He knows to t- how to tell you exactly what you want to hear. Don't talk with him. Fight with him. Quote the scriptures. Don't listen to him. Quote the scriptures. If you enter into a parlay with him, a sword fight, you give him half the victory by even entering the fight. And that's why the Total Transformation Program and a lot of others have said this. You don't have to take an invitation to a fight. You've already lost half the battle when you take an invitation to it. Uh, Number 14, put on Christian fortitude. Be strong and courageous about it. Expect victory. Trust you are more than a conqueror. And I couldn't help but think, uh, Nick Detroit, Elder Nick Detroit from the Wisconsin Church in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I think it's called Reformation Presbyterian Church, right? Uh, He preached a sermon here for Presbytery the first time we hosted it, maybe three, four years ago now. And his sermon was Christian Fortitude. So if you want to review the idea of Christian fortitude and grow in it, he preached a great sermon called Christian Fortitude here in our church at Presbytery years ago. It's on our website. It's on our sermon audio page, excuse me. But Thomas Watson writes this, To animate us in our combat with Satan, let us think, one, we have a good captain that marches before us. Remember all that we learned about Christ a little while ago in this study. He's there for you. He cares for you. He's powerful. Draw on him. Don't act like you don't have Christ. He all, Hebrews 2 verse 10. He is the captain of our salvation. And also, number two, remember we have a good captain, Jesus Christ, and we have good armor. Ephesians 6 11. Remember to put on the whole armor of God, but we have the whole armor of God. We're not left defenseless. We're not left without something to protect us. He says Satan is beaten in part already. We already have the victory. We already are more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8. Act like it. Think like it. People who think they're losers act like losers. Right? People who think they're winners act like winners. Now I'm not trying to throw some new age, you know, think you can fly and then try to jump off a cliff. You know, I'm not saying that you can never have problems or anything like that. It's not the prosperity gospel. But the truth is you're going to act the way you think about yourself. So be confident in Christ, not in yourself, but be confident in Christ. What does, what does Paul say in Philippians 4.13? 
I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I appreciate how Sinclair Ferguson in the study this Lord's Day also reminded us, or I heard somewhere else recently again, that is not, oh, I know what it was. It was Pastor Joel Wood during the graduation service. He says, let's remember that Philippians 4.13, you can't take it out of context. It's about being content. I can learn how to be content in everything. I can learn how to control my thoughts and not be depressed and give myself over to despair. I can learn how to be content whether I have a lot or where I have a little. Whether things are going well for me or things are going very badly for me. I can be strong in Christ. It's in Christ and the spirit of Christ. And remember who we are in Christ and what our future is. Martin Luther often said, when Satan reminds me of my past, I remind him of his future. And that is to remind myself of my future in Christ, right? Uh, Colossians 2, 15, Christ has given Satan already the death blow. Satan is a chained enemy. Remember number three, Satan is beaten. Grace is armor of God's making. Satan is beaten. So number one, we have a good captain. Number two, we have good armor. Number three, Satan is already beaten. Uh, Colossians 2, 15. Number four, Satan is a chained enemy, right? Revelation 20. He's already been bound by a chain. He does not have the influence he had before Christ came. you still got to be careful not to walk too close to the chained dog, but he's chained. Keep your distance. He doesn't have the power over you that he wants you to think he does. Christ gives you all power in him that Satan wants to make you think you don't have. Be Christians of fortitude. He cannot force the will. Satan can tempt you, but he can't make you. He can't make you do anything. We like to say, Satan made me do it. No, he didn't. You made you do it. Satan tempted you. You gave in. He can't make you do anything. Number five, he is a cursed enemy and God's curse will blast him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is, in, that it, than he that is against you. 1 John 4.4. 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Remember that. That's something you may want to say. Get thee behind me, Satan. Greater is Christ who is in me than you that are in the world. I am discontent right now. I'm going to go to Christ. I'm going to go on my knees. I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to defeat you right now. I'm not going to give you this victory right now. Greater is he that is in me. But we don't act like that with Satan. We don't even think name Christ, let alone pray to him half the time. Or speak of Christ in us and his power in us. Right? To do the kinds of things that we're being told to do. To not be tempted and not give into it. Number 15. Uh, let us call in the help of others. That relates to confession. Ask other people to help you. Would you pray with me? Or, you know, just walk somewhere or talk somewhere. I just, you know, I just appreciate if you could talk and pray with me for all. Could we go out to eat? I just need to get out of this place. I need to get out of this funk. I need, can you watch a funny video with me and help me laugh? You know, whatever it is. I need some fellowship. Don't remember that goes back to the danger of solitude. Number 16, and this is the last one. Thanks for your patience. Let us make use of all the encouragements we can. Let us make use of all the encouragements that we can. Encourage yourself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Do you remember that? He was depressed and discouraged in the scriptures it said, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ related to Christian fortitude. Remind yourself of the hope of heaven you have in Christ. Remind yourself of your brethren. Remind yourself that Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, paid for you with his own blood on the cross.
Remind yourself of your value in him. Remind yourself of your future. And beloved, we need to be going out of our way to encourage one another, the scriptures say. Remember, draw on all the encouragements your brothers give you and let it block out the lies from those who would seek to destroy you. And I want to remind you our Wednesday night study we had quite a while ago from the book by um, Sam Crabtree, Affirmations. Let us all be careful to go out of our way to affirm one another. It doesn't mean that we're not supposed to take a rebuke. We sang in Psalm 141 last night, we're supposed to be able to take a rebuke as a kindness from a friend. Faithful are the wounds of the friend, the Proverbs say. But beloved, as he said, you want to try to have three to five affirmations for every one constructive criticism. Make sure it's actually constructive and a heart of construction and a, and a goodwill for your person. But let us feed each other with cards in the mail and emails and just kind comments in the passing. Even just a, a, a hat on the back, a hand on the shoulder. Let's give one another lots of encouragements that we can draw on when we're fighting temptation. And uh, remember to encourage yourself as much as you can. And again, all these things we talked about are, are really means to that end. And if you're encouraged and lifted up, that will protect you from the opposite where Satan wants to take you, despair and death. So beloved, be encouraged. Let me remind you, God says in his word, you are more than conquerors. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God loves you and has given you his Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit there to comfort and counsel you and to work within you and make the word alive in you and strengthen you and lift you up. You have the ability to keep killing the old man and growing the new man. You are Christians. You are the renewed image of God. You have a glorious future in heaven in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be eating at the great supper of the Lamb, waiting in the river of life, worshiping around the throne, enjoying eternal life where there will be no sin and there will be no tempter because he'll be in the lake of fire. Be encouraged about your future. Remember that God is the Lord who is ready to forgive encourage yourself in the Lord. You might look that up tonight uh, as a way to complete the study for you as you go to bed tonight. Forgive me, I didn't think to write it down, but I'm, I'm going to make a note here now. And uh, encourage yourself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is your God. He is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. The, the, he is the creator of the universe. He is the redeemer. He is the winner. He has the victory, and he is your God. Encourage yourself in these things, and don't give yourself into the kinds of things, because as you give into temptation, what will happen is it will discourage you. It will never encourage you. Another way to encourage yourself, fight the temptation, get out the door, go for a jog, read your Bible, encourage yourself. So for instance, for me, can I give you an example? I'm discouraged often that I'm not reading my Bible as quickly and thoroughly as I intend to. I started a two-year plan in January. I was so excited. It's not that I haven't read my whole Bible before more than once, but I've really wanted to get back to just reading through the whole Bible together for myself, for the ministry, for you. And I am so behind on my schedule. That's in the back of my Bible. It's a reasonable schedule, but as you know, there's been so much going on. I'm not saying I'll read my Bible, but a lot of times I have to default to my preparations of your sermons and things. And I get discouraged, but then I say, well, encourage yourself. Look at how blessed you are when you read. Look how you feel immediately. Look at that insight the Lord brought back to you, forgot about, or a new insight you hadn't noticed before. A lot of them become your topical sermons while you're waiting on Nehemiah. (laughs) Uh, And I encourage myself 
Well, it isn't what I had hoped to do, but I'm definitely reading through my Bible a lot more deliberately and a lot more thoroughly, a lot more prayerfully, uh, a lot more effectively than I had before. Maybe it isn't going to be in two years, but I'm, I'm just going to not quit. I'm going to keep reading and get through it and be blessed by it as I go. And I, I am encouraged by that. And uh, encourage yourself with those things. Focus on the positive. Focus on what you can rejoice over. Isn't that what Paul tells us to do? Don't worry, right? In Philippians, pray. And the peace of God will be with you. And also, don't think about this. Think about this. Whatever's good, whatever's noble, virtuous. Think on those things. And the God of peace will be in your midst. In particular, in our midst together as we work together. All right, beloved, go encourage yourself in the Lord tonight, but I I trust that you have as you've come to him in our prayer together and in our study. Thanks for staying a little bit long. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do encourage ourselves in you, our Lord and Savior. You have given us victory already over sin and death. You have freed us indeed and made us a new creature. Help us to kill the old man. Help us to grow in contentment. Help us not to say, I can't, but I can and I will through Christ. And let us focus on those main things. Help us to read our Bibles regularly, pray regularly. And Lord, to recognize it is our lifeblood and it is our closeness with you who are our life. And Lord, we ask your blessing on those who particularly need our prayers again for healing. Eleanor. Ron and Linda, Becky, and uh, my sister Anne, we cry out to you for merciful healing. And Lord, we thank you we were able to be here tonight. I'm thankful that you have a body of believers here who are willing to sit with windows open and loud noises and endure the stink of roach kill because they wanted to be with you and one another. I pray you reward them greatly and show them even fighting through those kinds of things shows we can do all things through you who strengthen us. Bless us indeed with contentment and joy in the Holy Ghost. Bless us indeed to serve and obey you and remember as we studied in Deuteronomy recently, you will bless our obedience. You will reward our spirits. You'll give us joy of the Holy Ghost, peace of conscience, all these things. Lord, you'll help us to grow in the abundant life you've given to us. And we pray that would become something evident and contagious with those around us. First, our brethren, but as a witness to others, to come and know you savingly and in sanctification. Lord, sanctify us in thy truth. Thy word is truth. And let us encourage ourselves that the Lord Jesus Christ already has prayed for us in John 17. Just as he prayed that Satan would not get Peter, and he didn't. So he's prayed for us, and Satan will not get us. Oh, Lord, help us to resist and flee. Help us to run to Christ and keep our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.